0: The Being Known podcast with my friend Dr. Kurt
1: Thompson and my friend Pepper Sweeney.
0: We are here to discover and explore what it means to be truly known. And here we are, starting off season four. And you know, they say that after a while, you start to look like your dog. Have you ever heard? You know, people say you, you, you look a lot like your dog. Well, we started to dress alike. That's a, that's a problem. <laughs> you came on here this morning wearing the exact same. Shirt is me,
1: which no, I think, is very... I think I think you came on wearing the exact same shirt. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. You are and... my style icon. <laughs> oh, okay, can I just say? Can I just say? That is the first time that anyone has ever said anything to me about being anybody's style icon. So, oh,
0: well, you better I better just that... embrace it because, oh, gosh, you, yeah, you got it going on.
1: Curse so, uh, style, yeah. and icon don't ever occur. Those words do not show up in the same sentence. No.
0: So this season, we have decided to undertake um, a season full of trauma. Mm. You know, we uh, one of the things that as we look at um, uh, and hear responses from you, our audience, and, you know, the our, our most downloaded episode of our first three seasons um, was on trauma and shame. Hmm. And so to me, that's a felt need. Hmm. Um, And so we are going to venture into trauma. Um, Our first episode here, we're calling Creating Beauty in the Bomb Craters of Our Lives. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I I think, Pep, you're so right. You all have responded so graciously and beautifully to the podcast in general and really found apparently, you know, apparently we found that particular episode on trauma and shame to be pretty captivating and meaningful. And so we, we really do want to honor that. And so we want to take a deep dive into this notion of what it's like for us as individuals, as... Groups as systems as as families as couples as churches as men and men men and women. I, I, what is our experience of this? How do we understand it? What do we do with this? And at the same time, our larger purpose. And I, I think this 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 title of this episode is to kind of like be the kind of overarching title of our of our time. This this notion that. Uh, pursuant to what we talked a little bit about last season, well actually we talked a lot about this, is this notion that we really want to be people who are seeing beauty emerge and creating beauty in the very presence of the traumas that we experience. We don't just want to understand trauma academically. We don't want to just understand it clinically. We don't just want to have a running list of inform- you know information tidbits about it. And nor do we just want to somehow get back to baseline from it as we explore this together. We want to uh, encourage others to f- uh, be uh, imagining beauty emerging in the very places where we uh, have experienced trauma. And uh, we, we want to use, we're going to return to this word my, that my friend uh, Mako Fujimura likes to use this, this word of generativity, of being generative. Uh, this, this notion of coming right out of the text of scripture of being Genesis, that there is this creation, in our sense, new creation. We want to be generative in the hardest places of our lives. And part of how we do this is that we, we really want to continually be submitting our experience of trauma and even our understanding of trauma. We want to submit it to the light of the experience of being known. We want to suggest at the outset that when we talk about trauma, for any of us to think about it, it's it's tempting that I'm going to talk about this event or these events that have happened to me or that happened to my friend or to our war veterans or to the rape victims or to our African-American or Asian-American friends in our world, These, at least in our culture here in the U.S., these things that have happened to people, we don't just want to understand that in the abstract. We want to be with those. We want those to be with us. We want to be known in the process, and we want to highlight that this process of being known is the crucial element wherein which trauma is healed. It's identified, it's healed, it is rehabilitated, it is brought to fruition and fullness, and then beauty.
0: Yeah, I I just love that as we're looking at trauma, that what we're looking at, what we're digging for is beauty, and where we're headed is beauty. You know, we could be doing a season that's fully clinical and fully, uh, or, or even fully, like you say, just just sad and hard and and all of those things. But but really, what we're going after
1: is beauty, right? And you know, we're, we're we're as we are recording this, this will be released obviously in several weeks down the line. But as we're recording this, we're in the new year of 2022, and we are wrapping up the second full year of a pandemic. And with each ongoing period of time that the pandemic lasts, it, for instance, in and of itself is a particular trauma that is being layered upon all the other traumas that we have experienced. And so we know that we're, uh, you and our audience, we, we know that we're having this conversation with people who are in the middle of it. Mm. You know, like We're chest deep in it. Uh, whether you're, you know, uh, parents of kids that you've had to help navigate school with, whether you're someone who has lost someone to COVID, whether you're someone who is wrestling with the notion of vaccines, and you have friends who are on the other side of that question, wherever the question, wherever you happen to be, with that, that whole experience of a pandemic, as we've often said, is not just creating trauma in and of itself, but it is pulling the curtain back on a lot of other traumas that we've had over the course of our lives that we've kind of covered over, we layered over, we've effectively coped with. And now the pandemic is kind of doing this two-step action on us, both causing things and revealing things at the same time, and really uh, not showing us much much mercy in the process of that. And it's not easy to imagine beauty emerging in the course of a pandemic, and for for those of us who that, that are listening that that, that uh, whose lives are being really deeply uh, affected in this time, we want you to know that this season on trauma is for you. That and we we want to do this together with you. We don't we don't want to be talking at you. We want to do this together with you. Hmm. We want to hear from you. We want to share in your pain. We want to be present with you because this process of being known, we really do believe, is important. Again, not just because uh, to be known is to help me feel better, but to be known enables me to be generative. Enables me to create beauty in the places that we often least expect to find it. Yeah, one of the things. One of the things that we also want to pay attention to in this season is there, is there is going to be a highlighted text from the Christian scriptures that we're going to use, and it uh, comes from the Gospel of John. It's John 16, chapter 16, the 33rd verse, where Jesus says to his disciples, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. We are going to be, you know, Pep, we're going to be coming back to this over and over and Mm. over and over again, highlighting this notion that Jesus does not say, I've spoken of all these things. I'm telling you all these things so that you can have peace because you have more information. You can have peace because you now know the way the world is going to end. You can have peace because I've given you a new vaccination for the uh, pan, you know, for the virus, you can have peace because of all these things. He says, you can have in me so that in me, you can have peace. And I have to admit, I'm, uh, I'm always looking to, uh, have peace by, uh, typically when, when I'm in, the, when I'm in the middle of an, uh, of, of a war zone, When I'm in the middle of a fight with my wife, when I'm in the middle of being criticized over something that I've said or done, and I think it's unwarranted, I don't, you know, my my tendency is not to turn to Jesus to look for my peace. My tendency is to make bigger war. You know, you want to come with me with a gun? I'm going to come with a tank. Right. And it's what I do. And I'm not very proud of it. And, uh, but I, you know, this, Jesus is coming back and saying, you, you, you don't find peace in your trauma. Peace is ultimately not just about acquisition of information or having more power. It is about being in me. And a lot of what we're going to talk about over this season is going to circle back to what that ultimately means. And we're going to talk about tactics. We're going to talk about information. We're going to talk about interpersonal neurobiology, as we always do. We're going to talk about Christian spiritual formation. We're going to talk about these things, but we're always going to be coming back around to this gyroscopic gravitational pull of the presence of Jesus and how we can be that presence for others in the world, in the middle of their trauma, because he even goes so far as to say, he doesn't just say, it'll be okay. He says, be of good cheer. He says, take courage, be of good cheer because all that violence that's out there, that is the source of your trauma. I have overcome that. And I want you to pay attention to me even more so than you pay attention to the violence in the world. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Can I just share one aspect of, yeah? In so in this, uh, the pandemic that we're in and going through and and you know you know that within the course of this uh, I lost my dad. Mm. Uh, not to covid which
1: was okay you lost your dad when
0: it was uh June a year ago right wow so June of 2020 so, yeah so it wasn't covid but it was you know at a horrible time where you know we couldn't be with him and and all those things and so my dad was a um hobby his hobby was photography mm. and I went over recently to my mom's house and she wanted me to pick out a couple of his photographs that I could that I could have. And I I just got this one. I haven't been able to frame it yet, but it is, I think, a way that I have been able to put myself in front of what I believe is oncoming beauty. And, you know, there's so many more things connected to it. But I'm going to show you this photograph. Um, Can you see this, Kurt? Uh, Oh, my gosh. Isn't it beautiful? It looks like it looks like a painting. Oh, my gosh. I mean, oh my gosh! Right. So, this was. So what? What we're looking. You know, this is not the best thing for up to be talked showing in a podcast. You you can see this on our uh, YouTube channel if you watch it in there. You'll be able, you'll get a chance to see it. We'll we'll cut it in and you'll see. Um, so this was in a an old farmhouse, in an old banded farmhouse in Kentucky. We walked in and he took that picture, and I just think it's. I can't wait to frame it. It's. I think it's. It's stunning. Yeah. It's stunning. Yeah. And and there's something about. For me to look at this and think of his eye seeing the beauty in this. Yes. That there's something, I don't know, there's something healing about that beauty for me.
1: Yeah. Right. Can you say more about that?
0: You know, I'll say it's, it makes me feel more connected to him.
1: Yeah. Right uh, on. For
0: sure. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot of conversations about beauty. Mm. You know, in essence, we didn't have you know, those kind of conversations. He talked a little bit about photography and, this, and the technical aspect of it and those kind of things. But he really, as you can see, had an amazing artistic eye, right? I mean, this is just one of many. And there's just a, you know, there's a feeling of connectedness that I feel. Yeah. To this piece yeah. that connects yeah. me to him. Yeah. Um, there's a feeling of, an understanding of, of a depth in him that we may not have talked about.
1: I completely get that.
0: Um, I almost feel like I have a conversation with this when I look at it. I get that. Right. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. you know, and, and I hear, you know, my father's voice and yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you as, at least in, in what I, what I saw, like, like the the bed isn't perfectly made. No <laughs> Right. It's, it looks like somebody has like, you know, that whatever they got out of the bed and they, they, whatever was left, they just threw the covers up there and there they were. There's, there's a certain like the, the, the quote unquote imperfection of the way the bed is made Mm. is what brings the, is like brings texture and like draws my eye right to it. Otherwise it just, Oh yeah, it's just a bed. I don't notice things, but like you, you, it's, it's, my eye is drawn to it and, and the color and the shading and the, the contrast of the lines and the light. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm struck by the way in which all of that, that I, like I feel as even as, as we're talking, like I feel it in my chest mm. and I, I feel you having a conversation with him. Mm. I, I'm just, uh, you know, I never met your dad. Yeah. But what I know Is it your dad is the reason you're here? Yep. And for that reason alone, I love your dad. Hmm. And I'm just really sorry that his loss came in the middle of this kind of large trauma that everybody's under the heavy blanket of. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm I'm it's it's interesting. The very thing that you've you're you're just now I mean, you're You're describing, even with that photograph and your encounter with it, and vicariously then with your dad, this notion of Jesus coming to us and saying, even in that space of trauma, I'm coming for you. And I want you to have peace in me in the middle of your trauma. This is not to thereby deny your trauma, be Pollyanna about it, pretend it didn't exist, dissociate from it. It is about looking at it full on as we're going to do over the course of this time, for the very purpose, not of cursing it, but of creating beauty in the middle of it.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, one of the things that's important, I think, for us to also pay attention to as, as we begin to uh, Weighed into this this topic, is the question of like, where are we kind of in our historical moment as far as trauma is concerned? In, in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the overarching historical moment, which we find ourselves and where we've come from and why it's, I think, helpful and important for us to know and to, and to be aware of kind of the way history tends to move around such topics like trauma. Because if we don't pay attention to that, we will find ourselves being kind of caught in the, uh, wake of history in the way that I would suggest evil wants us to be caught in it. And what do I mean by that? Uh, you know, a, a brief cursory look at trauma in, you know, kind of from a cultural standpoint, like how do we talk about it? Where does it end up? Uh, we'll, we'll quickly reveal that mm, 50, 60 years ago, even, the notion of trauma was something that was for the most part limited to experiences in life where it was just plainly obvious where trauma was taking place. And the most plainly obvious where places where this took place was in in war theaters. Mm. And for a long, long time, notions of things like post-traumatic stress disorder were things that were kind of understood to be features of war as far back as the ancients, even people would talk about PTSD. And certainly in uh, the, the medical literature in the US, it began to be talked more explicitly about in, in, in the Civil War. And of course, you know, gradually came more and more into the conscious awareness of folks who were taking care of veterans who were experiencing events that no one, no one could deny were traumatic. Uh, but mostly what we were paying attention to at that time was not necessarily the events themselves. We were paying attention more so to the symptoms that people were experiencing because people who have PTSD, as we'll, we'll talk more about in, in detail as we go along, people who are having PTSD, those, those symptoms were far less common in the culture than symptoms of depression or anxiety. Those are much, much more commonly experienced and known. We see these kinds of things in our families. We, it wasn't so common for us to see PTSD in the way that we would talk about it in terms of those people who were in, in, in the veteran community, the veterans of war. But over the course of the last 50 to 60 years, there has been a growing extension and awareness that the violence that we experience in war fundamentally in terms of how it affects our neurobiological uh, states of mind and the way it affects us interpersonally and the way it affects our bodies has become uh, something that we're increasingly aware of such that even in the clinical, clinical community, we have started to extend the language of trauma out beyond those who have been in war theaters to others, we, there was a time when we wouldn't necessarily talk about rape victims or victims of having been summarily bullied or physical abuse or, or sexual abuse uh, in families. We wouldn't necessarily have used trauma, except perhaps in clinical circles. If you were in a psychiatrist's office, I remember when I was a resident back in the late 1980s, we talked about trauma, but those that trauma was really... Uh, kind of reserved for people who had particularly uh, difficult childhoods, but it was still language that was used in the consultation room. We didn't talk about this in the classroom. We didn't talk about this in church from church pulpits. We didn't. We, it wasn't common language as it has become. But over the course right. of the last fifty to sixty years, the language and the awareness of trauma and the fact that trauma. As an act of violence, over and against which we can't have agency to to stop or to regulate, we come to discover that primary feature that we'll talk more about next week when we talk about definitions and uh, when, we, when we in our next episode. It is now something we become aware of in much in, in many many more common areas of life, and so we have over the last fifty to sixty years traveled a great distance in terms of the notion of trauma and what it means moving out of this isolated place of, of war uh, scenarios into the kitchen and into the classroom and, in, and onto the football field and 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 into churches and so forth and so on and so we are paying greater and greater attention to the pain of our lives which is really helpful and important because we are now acknowledging that trauma happens in a lot of places where Fifty years ago, we wouldn't even have been aware of it or thought to think of it in those terms. But there is a certain irony to how we are living, because what we see is that even as we see and are more attentive to trauma more than at any other time in our history, we continue to propagate it as much as ever. We need to recognize, on one hand, that just because we become more aware of things doesn't mean that we necessarily categorically become better at not perpetrating it. Steven Pinker, the evolutionary psychologist at Harvard, uh, famously wrote a book called Our Better Angels, in which he was, you know, in which he, he talked about the hope and optimism that he has because of the relative decrease in violence over the course of human history. And, uh, different people have read that text and, and, and other, other folks have, have taken umbrage with it and have questioned all kinds of things about it. And some people found it to be really quite hopeful and other people found it to be less so because they were taking umbrage with his, with his data. All that notwithstanding, uh, at the same time that we might say, you know, we can be hopeful because there are fewer people dying in wars than they're used to, you know, happen. And, and, and yet like, if I'm in Southeast DC, like it doesn't really matter to me what Steven Pinker's book says about things being better. If I'm living in the US now where there is so much traumatic rhetoric leveled at one another who are in different political camps, it doesn't really matter to me much about what the larger global picture tends to look like. When my father or my coach or my pastor is treating me in the way that I'm being treated, it doesn't really matter what the larger thing, and I want to suggest that there is a certain irony to the fact that we as human beings continue to do the very thing that Cain and Abel did. And for those of our listeners who are aware of this, we want you to know that as much as uh there is uh, a greater awareness of and acknowledgement of but we also want to say to you. We also see that it's still hard. We also see that this is a world in which tribulation continues to occur, just as Jesus said that it would. Jesus did not say, therefore, in this world, tribulation will eventually go quietly into the night. No, in this world, you're going to have it. But with me, you're going to have beauty, even in the face of tribulation. And so then the other thing that we have to pay attention to, as with so many things, uh, what was first foreign or rare to us, when well, we didn't really talk about trauma, uh, because often because of how we didn't understand it, or because perhaps even because of how painful it was, then it gets drawn to our attention, becoming increasingly uh, noticeable to us. And then it even will tilt into becoming fashionable. We move from trauma being limited to the war theater to now, you know, trauma happens anytime, you know, Ohio State loses, which is not very often
0: <laughs> to That's, some of, it. Not it not to some of us. Not very often, right,
1: right. I mean, I, you know, in, in that case, like, it'd be traumatic for Michigan, like, you know, for a long time. Yes. But I mean, we have to be careful in recognizing that we can, uh, we, we can so. Uh, frequently talk about it, that it then becomes minimized.
0: Yeah, you lose the power in the word. Yeah, say right? more about that. I mean, I think that I, I just I think that happens a lot uh, in our culture, where suddenly, you know, people will use a word that is, you know, meant for mm-hmm. one thing, right, and then they'll use it. It becomes a part of our language, a part of our vernacular, and suddenly the word has right. lost its meaning. It, it, you know, some words need to be reserved for Correct. what they are. Right. Right. You know, and the more you use them in ways that aren't necessarily helpful, the more the power gets sucked out right. of the word. I
1: think. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's like anything in, you know, the, the mind tends to, we, we, we tend to pay attention to things in our physical universe that are unique. Right. Hmm. If, uh, it, you know, it's kind of like when, when, when we went to, uh, Wyoming to Jackson hole uh, with our kids and, uh, the, the first time, and like, you know, you, you land and you drive, you you, you go to your hotel and, and while you're there, like you're, you're driving through Jackson hole and you see an elk in the town right. and you're like. Oh my gosh, you're stopping the car. Like, and, it, and it's not even a bull elk, right? It's, 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 it's a cow elk, and, and, but she is just spectacular in her beauty. And like, I can't believe, because like they don't have elk in my yards here in Northern Virginia. And four days later, right. I don't even notice elk. They mean nothing to me. <laughs> they're nothing. You mean nothing to me. Because they're just everywhere. And, right. and, but this is the thing, right? I pay attention to novelty. And the more frequently I see it, the more frequently I hear the word, the less novel it becomes, and the less I pay attention to it. And what's really interesting about your bringing this up about what we do with the word is that this is exactly what we will often do with our traumas themselves, not just the words that we use about them. Right. We have a traumatic event that happened to us when we were three or 13 or 30. And it was overwhelming at the time, but we found somehow we, you know, by hook or by cook, we, cook we, we found a way to cope with it and we just kept moving on. And now it just fades into the woodwork. It becomes just one more elk that looks like all the rest. You're about to say something.
0: Well, I was going to say that, it, you know, it manifests itself though, right? I mean, if you don't, in a lot of cases, if you don't, explore this, like you may not even, you may have, you may have been so good at compartmentalizing that you exactly. forgot it. Right. But it's going to come back right. in another way. It's going to come back in a, you know, snapping at somebody or, or, you know, something it's going to come back. You're going to have a pain. Right. You can understand it. Right. Yeah. So that makes me think that there are a lot of us walking around who are the walking wounded and we don't even realize it. Like, we don't understand, we don't understand what it is that's making us feel the way we're feeling. So what do we do for all of those people who have symptoms and don't know what the Mm -hmm. cause is Mm -hmm. of those symptoms? Mm -hmm. You know, what do we do for them? Like, how do we, how do we, and, and, you know, quite frankly, there's a lot of people, I've, I've known people in my own life who have shared with me about their traumas, but they've never dealt with them and don't want, they have no intention right. of ever dealing with them. And then you wonder why, you know, they've been banned from the local restaurant or the, you know, that kind of thing, because it's right. going to come up.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think, you know, the, uh, what, what one thing is this, this again, for our listeners, well, I think we want you to know that this, uh, this season is going to be a season is a season of hope this is not a season of fear. This is not a season of pessimism uh, or despair. This is intended to be a season of hope. But as we will explore, hope is something that must be manufactured in the presence of trauma. Hope is not just something that happens because everything is going well. In fact, real durable hope is actually manufactured in the very presence of hardship in the presence Mm -hmm. of tribulation. But what's crucial about it is that it is not manufactured. The way we are able to, and the reason we're able to manufacture it is because we are doing it collaboratively with others. It is in the process of being known that our hope is manufactured. And part of what trauma does, as we'll learn, is that it doesn't just shatter us, but it shatters my capacity to have any sense that anybody is going to be able to help me with it. And so I only perceive that I'm on my own and having to deal with it. And so when I put it away, I dissociate from it. And then, you know, I get thrown out of the restaurant. I don't perceive that I that there could be somebody else who will want to be with me in the in, in the healing of this. I'm still on my own. And so I only have myself right. to depend upon that has been shattered. And so it just becomes this, you know, snowball effect in a really negative, you know, kind of way. And this, of course, is what we might say that evil, evil has this chameleon style. This, this, this part of our conversation was really all along this notion of, uh, you know, it, it, you know, trauma was once we, we hid from it and then, and then it became something that is so common, like, like words that becomes, that it becomes nothing to us. And this is what evil depends upon. Evil is depending upon us not naming what is true. It wants to do whatever it can to hide, hide our trauma from us and from each other,
0: and and, our, and dependent on us minimizing
1: exactly our own trauma. Exactly, that's right. exactly right. And so we, we want to uh, make sure that we are, are recognizing that that, that over, the, over the arc of this season, that we're going to continue to come back and remind us that evil will want to be right alongside us in this season. And it will want to tell us one of two things. It will say, your trauma is too big. It's too big for you to explore. Or... It will want to say, your trauma is nothing. It's, it, it doesn't need to be explored. It wants us to live on one of those two binary extremes. It wants us to be, in, but in either way, it wants us to get rid of it. Where Jesus is saying, no, I want you to find me right in the middle of it. And I want you to watch me looking at you while I create beauty in the middle of what is going to be, what feels like, what is, a real traumatic situation. You're not making it up. It's real. And I want you to start to pay more and more attention to me while we are together in the middle of it. Over the course of our time uh, this season, we want to continually return to framing our topic then in the light of the hope of Jesus. And one of the texts that we talk about with this is when Jesus is talking to Pilate before his crucifixion and Pilate says, so you're a king. And Jesus says, so you say. He says, well, what about your kingdom? And he says, my kingdom is not of this world because if it were, my followers would pick up arms. And in fact, one of them did, Peter, going to whack off the ear of the high priest servant. But Jesus is saying that he has a different kingdom of healing and recommissioning that is here and that is coming. And we are going to continually also then be reminded that his kingdom is not of the world that we typically see, the world of violence. You know, I was saying earlier, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man of violence. You know, when I, when I am hurt, when I'm wounded, I don't want to respond by looking at Jesus. I want to respond by, you know, yeah, I see the look on your face.
0: Listen, I can totally relate to Peter. If somebody's going after one of my friends... I, I going right. to chop some right. ears. You know, I mean, really. I mean, that's 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 what rises yeah. up in me. If you're if you're going after my wife, my kids, my friends,
1: yeah, you know, yes, yeah, yeah. Don't. I want to I want right. to say bad words. <laughs> my Quaker my yeah. grandmother would be turning over in her grave, so I won't. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll say them when we go off the air. <laughs> yeah, so. This is, this is the hope that we have for our time in the course of this season. So uh, real quickly, we want to just run through kind of what our, uh, you know, what our, what our plan for the, some of the topics that we're going to cover. Uh, in our next episode, we're going to look at uh, more, uh, more deeply at the definition of trauma and how that shows up in all of our lives. Uh, we're going to look then uh, at trauma and the mind. What do we mean by, again, we'll review what do we mean by the mind and how does trauma affect that? How does trauma affect the body? in particular. That's going to be an episode. How does trauma, as part of the body, how does trauma especially affect the brain? What about trauma and the brain itself? We're going to look at uh, an episode on how trauma wields shame, in particular, how shame plays a particular role in it. We're going to take a look at a thing called the polyvagal theory. Now, that's all fancy schmancy terms, but that's going to be important for us to have a better understanding of how our autonomic nervous system plays a role in our development and what trauma does to that, but how knowing more about that can come to our aid. We're going to look at sexual trauma in particular, because there is a way in which sexual trauma like nothing else uh, does things to us that nothing else does. We're going to explore family and generational trauma, where we'll pay a lot of attention to neuroplastic change. We're going to pay attention to trauma in the church. We are going to look at the power of presence. What do we mean by being present with others and all that that entails in the healing of trauma? And then ultimately, we're going to look at what does it mean for us to imagine, again, creating wholeness or coming into states of integration in the wake of of trauma, remembering that this whole, all, all of these different episodes that we're going to look at are going to be against the backdrop of what does it mean for us to be uh, agents of beauty and goodness, even in the face of really difficult things. And with that in mind, um, what I really want to uh, give us as an idea now is a, as, as, a, as an exercise is for us to th- this, is, this would be your, your exercise for this episode, um it's a writing exercise. It's not complicated. Uh, as you've listened to this, you may find yourself feeling one of a couple of things or across a spectrum. On one end of the spectrum, you might find yourself feeling expectant and hopeful. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about these things and being with Pepper and Kurt as they talk about this stuff and I'm looking forward and I would like for you to list what are the things that are coming to mind that you are hopeful about. As in particular, it relates to experiences in your own life where you've experienced trauma. In this sense, beginning to name some things that you have experienced that are traumatic, or in particular, people that you're really close to who've experienced trauma and whose trauma affects your life. So I want you to write that down. And then on the other end, you, you you on the other end of the spectrum, you might be feeling like, "Gosh, uh, I I wasn't really aware that they were going to do trauma. I think I'm I don't really want to listen to this season. Uh, this feels a little more. Um, uh, this feels this makes me nervous.
0: Don't let them off the hook, <laughs> Kurt.
1: Well, look, <laughs> I don't I mean, it. they're going to want to come back, and like if they if they look at YouTube, they're going to they're going to want to watch the most beautiful man in the world. I mean, even it doesn't it doesn't matter. There's they, they want to see you. They want to bring. They want to bring your. They want to see your dad's photographs. They're gonna. They, but they want to see the most beautiful man go. in the world. That's not ever gonna change. Uh-huh. They, I, they might just come and listen and just turn the volume off. They're just gonna watch the YouTube video. That's all they're gonna do. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I, I've talked to people. I know. I've talked to people. I, they, they just like Kurt. Just give me more pep. Give me more pep. And I don't. And I don't mean vim and vigor. Uh-huh. I mean just pep. Some <laughs> more pep.
0: Land the plane, <laughs> my friend.
1: <laughs> So this mm-hmm. might be a little trickier, but I, I would like for you to write out what are some moments in your life? What are some stories in your life in which you wonder about, which you suspect that trauma is laying in wait, trauma, it's been hidden. What are the places that you mm-hmm. long for? And even along with that, if you're, if you're finding yourself being anxious or even a little fearful about that, I would love for you to write out what am I afraid would happen if I were to put my hand on that? If I were to Mm -hmm. open that door and look into that room of that memory or that series of memories or that part of my life or this thing in my life, it could be my life with my kids or my life with my parents, life with my spouse, it could be life in my work, it could be anything, life in my church, Um, life with God. Uh, What are the things that, what am I afraid might happen if I open the door? And look into the room where that trauma exists. So we can write in one of these two different realms along the spectrum of what it is it that we're hoping for or what is it that we're afraid of. And then the last part of this exercise is how do you sense the Holy Spirit? How do you sense the Holy Trinity really coming to you and saying, keep watching? I'm going to bring beauty in ways that you can't yet see, but keep watching. How would you like, how would you imagine, how do you long for Jesus to bring beauty in any and all of this?
0: Great, great. Hey, follow us on the socials so that you can uh, have these applications delivered to your device. Please rate us wherever you, wherever you listen to your podcast, because that's going to help us to get the word out about this podcast. And we want more and more people to be exposed to this material. So thank you in advance for, for your reviews and your ratings and Mm. your subscribing to the podcast as well. Kurt, great first start. I'm looking forward to this season um, and all the beauty that we're going to learn about through trauma. Right on. Love you, man. Good to be with you. You too. Thanks. This podcast
1: is produced by Kurt Thompson, Pepper Sweeney, and myself, Amy Chella. Audio production and editing is by Keaton Simons. Video production and editing is by Mark Gould. Speaking of videos, each week we post the video version of every episode to our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube by going to youtube.com or your app and searching Being Known Podcast." If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on social media at Being Known Pod. If you like this podcast, tell a friend. Tell all of your friends. And please like, rate, and review. Be well. Be known.